Welcome, everybody, to episode 85 of the Metabilis 2 podcast, which features David. And Ben. Um, talking about their favorite TV program, which is which? What? Uh, what is our favorite TV program, David? The Good Life. <laughs> it is the good life. <laughs> You're right. We should totally do a good life podcast. We yeah, should we do should. like a re. We should like watch every episode of the Good Life in order. You know, it's it's kind of sad that not all the main cast of the Good Life was on Doctor Who. Yes, it is kind of sad. In fact, we had Richard Richard Briers in there before he passed away. Definitely. And let's and see, Felicity Kendall others. was in. Which, 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 which oh, unicorn and wasp in, in, in New Who exactly? Yeah. Yeah, no, poor old Eddington. He he died too soon, I think. Yep, yep. Yeah, could totally see Paul Eddington walking in as a starship commander or yeah. something in the Tom Baker era. And he always did such a great Winston Churchill impression. Oh, he could have been the voice of Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then uh, Penelope Keith, she's still is she, is she she's still kicking around. Penelope Keith. Yeah, yeah. So she she's she needs crazy. to be in series twelve, I think, as yeah. a is, guest is, is star. She, has she retired, or is she she's still acting? That's hmm. all good, good on good on her. I don't know. So, Let's see. She's seventy eight, so one would expect, as one does, her to be retired. But uh, yeah. she is a Dame Commander, so Dame Penelope. Dame Penelope Keith, mm-hmm. excellent. Did you do you ever, did you ever used to watch the um, To the Manor Born? Yeah. 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 Excellent. Oh, good. Oh, anyway, who's who's the male co-star of it? Bowles, I think. I what? What? Into, into, into the, the Manor Born. Born. Yeah. It's, it's Jeffries, isn't it? Peter Jeffries. Is it? No. It's Peter Bowles. Oh, Peter, oh, Peter Bowles. I was getting yes. Peter Jeffries and Peter Bowles mixed up. Well, Jeffries was in Andres of Tara. Well, that's what I was going to say, wasn't No, But yes, you're exactly right. I always get them. I, I don't know why I get Peter Bowles and Peter Jeffries. They're both called Peter. And they've both got kind of bulbous noses, though Peter mm. Jefferson's nose is a lot more bulbous than Bowles' noses. Do you remember a, a sitcom in, like, must have been the early 80s that had Bowles in called The Bounder? Where he the Bounder, indeed. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Enjoyed him in that one. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was a short, I think it only did two series with that. Yes, it was like Minder, only he was like an upper-class Minder. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's, it's kind of sad in that the cast of The Good Life didn't... Also, Moonlight on Doctor Who completely because, you know, they were in the BBC Television Centre at the same time. You could Exactly. T- could. Or, you know, let's, let's do a full-on comedy episode and have, you know, the TARDIS materialise in Surbiton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and... And um, I don't know. I, 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 the fourth Doctor would have gone got on like a house on fire with Tom and Barbara Good. Well, yeah, I think Tom Good and the fourth Doctor. Yeah, that would have been a very good volatile combination. And I'm quite certain that the Brigadier would have loved to gone around to have dinner at the Leadbetters. Uh, very much so. Yes, the Brigadier and Do- is it Doris? It's Doris is the big Brigadier's girlfriend. Yeah, I think it's the second yeah. wife or whatever. It, 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 second it's that, wife. You know, with that scene in the in Robot with uh, Liz Slade and uh, Sarah Jane calling the Brigadier a swinger. I think she knew knew something about the Brigadier's <laughs> private life that wasn't fully realized on the screen. I have to say that I don't think swinger was quite <laughs> as a as quite a descriptive word in those days on the BBC as it may be nowadays but anyway yeah <laughs> uh, oh yes those, so, part, those parties are the lead betters exactly <laughs> anyway um, okay that's enough sitcom hilarity oh, is it okay. <laughs> oh, oh, we can do more Fall and Rise of Reginald Perrin would be another Fall and Rise of Reginald Perrin uh, 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 there's another another great sitcom star <laughs> who was never on Doctor Who even though he was in all the Stanley Kubrick movies mm-hmm which, 
which is, of course is fabulous. Um, yeah, we, maybe we should try and do like a podcast <laughs> of, of um, I don't know, British sitcom Who crossovers. Yeah, well, in, in our uh, months leading up this dry period, both literally and metaphorically Definitely leading up to period. series 11, maybe we will. Maybe we will. That's a good idea. I think this week, though, uh, we were going to talk again, touch on the subject of collecting, were we not? Yeah, it's been about six, five, six months, so why not? Maybe we've collected some more things since then. Yes, well, you have teased, I believe, in a previous podcast of a secret project, Doctor Who related, and I'm wondering if you are willing or able to disclose said project at this point in time. I I think at this juncture, I am willing to disclose (laughs) said project. Um, So I um, uh, decided, well, I don't know, decided. Um, I'm not, as some people who listen to this podcast will know, I'm very fond of Doctor Who action figures, and I have a small collection of those. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I've talked about before how I have a small collection of Doctor Who comic book art um from across the across the eras i actually saw actually the other night there's a a, a great interesting uh, well there's an online auction house called heritage auctions who who, who uh, uh, do a lot of the kind of pop cultural collector uh, uh, auctions in the united states and they just had a dave gibbons page from um, <laughs> really uh from doctor who uh, doctor who weekly mm-hmm. um from the what was the one with the romans ah i can't remember now um uh, anyway Went for $3,500. That's incredible. A lot of money. A lot of money. Exactly. Are you talking exactly. the, the early one with Tom Baker, the Iron Legion? The Iron Legion, indeed. It was an, and, and it was a classic Iron Legion page as well with a big mm-hmm. kind of, when the, when, the, when, uh, when the fourth doctor, not Tom Baker, it's the fourth doctor, um, mm-hmm. when, he's in the, when he's in the arena um, fighting the various alien, alien nasties who've been sent out by the... I don't know, future space Romans that Pat Mills and John Wagner came up with. <clears throat> anyway, um, so yeah, $3,500. $3, that's kind of a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but one, something that I've never actually dipped my toe into because it's a kind of a, it's a, it's a nerve-wracking and uh, a world filled with potential pitfalls is original prop mm-hmm. collecting. As I'm sure you all know, Doctor Who is a fantasy TV show. Not a documentary. Um, it's not a documentary. <laughs> so all those, all those, all those, all those aliens and all those alien worlds and spaceships and things—they're all made up. Yeah. So um, then we should have had a spoiler warning for that. I spo- think. Spo- yes. Spoiler, spoiler alert! Doctor is not a documentary. Um, it's all made up. Um, so there are very, very talented, amazingly wonderful, talented people mm-hmm. out there who basically came up with the way that Doctor Who looks. Um, as everyone knows, I'm a big fan of the Doctor Who of the 70s, and I'm a big fan of the look of the show in the 70s. They had some extremely talented designers within the BBC at that time, mm-hmm. um, making the most amazing alien worlds, monsters, creatures, uh, uh, experiences um, for uh, for the TV. Um, so it's always been. I was like, wow, I'd love to get something from that era. Um, one thing I've been thinking about for a while. My family don't really listen to uh, this podcast podcast because they allege they don't know what they don't know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> not that 
they don't think I know what I'm talking about, but they don't understand what I'm talking about. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so my family will recognise this, but they're not listening anyway. Um, I've, I've, I've often been interested in, in getting myself a This Planet Earth Dalek. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love one of those. Um, however, as, as again, you all know, a Dalek is a very bulky object. Uh, it takes up a lot of room. Um, mm-hmm. This Planet Earth make their screen-accurate Daleks, which are superb. Right. Um, I'll have to say um, they're made in Britain. Um, I live in America. I don't know how I get my Dalek out here, etc., etc., etc. Shipping would be shipping steep. would be would be steep to say the least. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not Bill Gates. Um, I don't have the ability to ship a Dalek all the way from Britain to the United States. However, I was per- perusing Facebook, in fact, just the other day, mm-hmm. and uh, there is a company. There's a couple of really interesting companies based in Britain. There's the prop store. There's pop cultural collectibles. There is, uh, and there's also a, a group called Toy Box Treasures, mm-hmm. who specialise in particularly in Doctor Who memorabilia. They're books, toys, right. um, but they also have props. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they were advertising is available to say was drum roll, an original screen used Vok head from Doctor Who and the Robots of Death. Ooh. Which is one of a gotta be top five of my favourite Doctor Who stories. Um, not only for the excellence of the story, um, not only for the the excellence of the acting, mm-hmm. um, not only for the greatness of the Leela and and Fourth Doctor partnership, but for the amazing design of that show um, of that story, um, and particularly design the robots. Mm-hmm. The head was going at what I felt was a reasonable price. Um, it had an excellent provenance. For those of you who don't know what, who are not aware of the term provenance, it is a kind of art history collector's term, which means you know where it came from. Right. Um, so I snapped it up. So I'm now the proud owner of one genuine Vok head. And you have a few pictures of that up on your Instagram. I do have some pictures of that, of that on my Instagram, including a picture of myself wearing it. And what, um, and what is the address of that if uh, our listener wants to go check that out? Um, I, I believe that I'm 66 Benedict. Um, okay. If people want to follow me on Instagram and you will see a picture of the Vok head demounted and then you'll see a picture of me wearing it, which actually <laughs> looks really, really convincing. For some reason, my, my it, it looks kind of small, so it actually looks like it is actually my real head. Mm-hmm. And I can vouch <laughs> that actually it's really kind of claustrophobic inside mm. um, and it kind of smells as well. It's made of fiberglass. <laughs> right. Um, it is genuine. There there is a provenance for it, um, uh, as, as I understand, having seen the paperwork. Um, it came originally, well, originally it was on the telly, right. um, but it, it was then part of the Longleat display okay. at Longleat, um, and then it went to a, another group, um, and uh, uh, some people in that group, um, I've been asked not to actually reveal their names, mm-hmm. um, were selling it, and um, it's, it's, now, it's now mine. I've looked at it quite carefully. I, I was shown, uh, they were sent pictures of it. Um, it is, I think, is an absolutely genuine piece, um, made of fiberglass. I think it's probably been repainted. Um, the sequins, which give the uh, the non-mad Vox their kind of glittery eyes, those right. have been definitely been replaced in mm-hmm. the in the eyes. Mm-hmm. But if you look in the inside, there's a couple of things which I think demonstrate that it is an original. The first of which is there's some leather padding around the edge of the uh, 
on the edge of the mask, um, which I think were, was was to make it uh, more comfortable for the actors to wear. That would make sense with the fiberglass. Yeah, and it is it is it is it is kind of very distressed. It's obviously a, the, the fiberglass is you know it's hard to date. I mean, fiberglass is fiberglass is fiberglass. Right. The leather is very very kind of worn, very very distressed. But I think even more of a clincher inside and the the kind of where, where the head of the actor would have rested against. The roof of the roof of the mask is very very faint, uh, but definitely there are traces of foam. So a kind of polyurethane foam. Mm. Um, do I mean polyurethane? Anyway, that kind of squishy foam, right, um, which right. kind of decays really really quickly, which mm-hmm. I think was kind of traditional for the inside of BBC BBC mm-hmm. masks. So it is it is genuine. Um, it is absolutely fabulous. I love it to death. Um, mm-hmm. um, I'm already working out how I'm going to display it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I've wanted really since I've actually, since I saw Robots of Death. So but, um, 10-year-old, 11-year-old you must be going crazy at this point. <laughs> 10, 10, 11-year-old me is going, is, cannot really believe that, that such a thing could be possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, it's in. I, it's, if, if, you, if only this was an audio podcast, I'd, I'd be wearing it right now. Visual, visual. Yes. <laughs> Video. Yeah, a visual, yeah. It, it is an it, audio podcast. It is an audio podcast. <laughs> if only this was a visual podcast, um, I'd, be wearing, I'd be wearing it um, right now. In fact, you know, I'd be, I could probably go and get it and wear it, and then you could hear what it sounds like. With my voice coming out of it. Yeah, let's give that. give that a try. Yeah. Okay, hang on. I will do that. Give me a second. We'll play some lovely Robots of Death music here as an interlude. from inside a Vok robot head. Are you, now, are you tempted to say things like, I heard a noise, or please do not throw hands at me? And I st- was just about to say, <laughs> do, not pl- do, not, do not throw hands at me. Um, something like that. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, now, I'm now stretching out my hands in front of me as if I'm going to strangle you. Um, it does pong a bit. It, sm- it smells very faintly of like old chemicals inside. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very claustrophobic. You can barely see out... Um, mm-hmm. It's very hot. I mean, it is actually in the 90s anyway, right right now in Seattle, so it's like it's hot in general. Though I suppose that may be like a relatively kind of screen accurate temperature. For the hot lights of BBC Television Center. The hot lights of BBC. It, it must have been very... I mean, you really, when you wear one of these things, you really kind of understand um, how talented those monster actors were to be mm-hmm. made, especially with the robots of death where all of the robots put in like stonking performances um you know especially you know sv7 and um and d84 right i'm not gonna remember the actors names but you know do an amazing job um because it's it's claustrophobic in here and mm-hmm. it's hot um obviously they weren't using their own voices mm-hmm. um, but yeah no very impressive i'm gonna take yeah, it off except, yeah, okay yeah it's a uh, second it was Miles Fothergill, who is SV7, and oh, that's it. Gregory yeah, D. Polonais as DA84. As DA84, yes. So, uh, again, you know, tip of the pin to them for um, their ability to do that. So, the, the mass design was by uh, a sculptor, Rose 
Garrett, if I'm correct, Rose, right? Rose, Rose Jared, yeah, who is actually a real sculptor. Um, mm -hmm. And I have, um, I, you know, she has, a, she had a, a pretty illustrious career as a sculptor. Um, I, and I actually have a catalogue of hers mm -hmm. in my kind of book collection. Uh, she, um, she actually uh, recently was selling off, um, as I was researching the, the, the Vok head, because obviously before I decided to buy it, mm -hmm. I wanted to research it to make sure again that I felt it was genuine. Right. Um, on the prop store, which is another, again, another another site which has Dr. Memorabilia for sale. I mean, prop stores look kind of a major business. They have, like, props from really across every TV show, especially fantasy TV, fantasy sci-fi TV show made in Britain, but also a lot of props from uh, movies made of right. Pinewood um, or Shepperton, you know, Aliens, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, prop store had the original uh, clay... Uh, sculptor, um, uh, the original clay uh, uh, form from which all of these Vok heads were originally cast. Interesting. So, sorry, when I say clay, um, I mean I meant plaster. Right. So carved out of plaster. That was going for actually way more than I could afford. I mm -hmm. barely, actually, I barely could have afforded this mm -hmm. one that, that I did buy. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. So mm -hmm. she must be starting to kind of maybe sell off sell off some of that material right but it is it's it's, it's a beautiful thing they're mm -hmm. very it's quite large um obviously because it has to fit someone's head inside it mm -hmm. it's but it's it's just it's it's, it's, a, it's a thing of beauty and, you know and again i think the you know the brief for for rose to design this head was to make something beautiful yeah it was from bbc designer ken sharp who kind of gave it. her her mission statement on what to do and it was i think the the, the suggestion was to try something Art Deco. Yes. And it was uh, Jared who came up with the kind of the wavy hair because they didn't really know how to finish off the back. So it's just kind of that wavy Art Deco hair that flows and tapers back into almost a, a, a V shape, I think. Yeah, and actually, I mean, do, doing, a little, doing a little bit of research on the piece, um, I found out a couple of things which may or may not be true. One of which is one of the inspirations for the hair and actually the look of the heads in general was um, the logo for Weller, the uh, German-based uh, cosmetics company, oh, okay. um, which has a, a has a kind of a profile woman's head with wavy hair kind of streaming back from it. Apparently, that was one of the inspirations. And the I think the other thing that I read, which actually kind of makes sense now that I can actually hold one in my hand, is that the uh, the the kind of the 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 strands of hair that kind of make up the hair mm -hmm. were actually originally uh, a kind of a plasticine material that came in these thin strands. Um, mm. So they didn't actually the uh, Rose Gerald didn't actually carve those. He actually just used that straight out of the packets of of um, the modeling clay, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is, I'm actually, it's actually sitting on my lap and I'm stroking it right now. It's a um, <laughs> very, very beautiful thing. Very, very beautiful. Is it a full mask or do you just have the front part? So it's, it's, in two, it's in two parts. There is the face uh, and then there is the top of the head. So again, to put it on, what you do is you place the, uh, the top of the head over your own head. Mm -hmm. And then there is a kind of a rear bit. So the back of the head is separate. Um, and then that is actually attached by Velcro. Um, there are, the Velcro has been replaced um, with more modern Velcro, um, mm -hmm. but um, I can see that there is, there's, there's a quite strong residue of glue from a previous 
uh, attachment of Velcro. So I think, again, what would happen is that, you know, you'd be placed inside the head and then the rear part then kind of straps on behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not sure, I, I'm not, I don't live with anybody because I'm sad and alone. Um, <laughs> so I've, no one's actually helped me put it on myself, um, right. but I, I, that's, that's what I assume, mm-hmm. that is what I assume happens. And then inside, as I said, there is a, quite a lot of this foam very, very decayed, very, very flaking. Um, it's actually one of the reasons I, I, I'm not actually wearing the head that much around the house, um, <laughs> even though I'm tempted to, because I don't, I don't want to lose this kind of this kind of ancient, um, very, very, very delicate yeah. and flaking uh, cushion foam. There's mm-hmm. some on the top, um, and then there's a, I think what what must have been a huge patch at the back again. Right. So, yeah. Well, it's it's a it's a treasure. <laughs> it is a treasure. Um, again, I've seen some. There's a couple more online. I think uh, what I'm told is originally there were eight of these made. I've seen at least two other ones online in other collections. Mm-hmm. Um, there is another one again, which you can view. I think on David J. Howe's site, he has a kind of a a, a site which kind of gathers together a bunch of people's collections, um, mm-hmm. and that actually has the name of the actor written inside which is kind of cool um, mm-hmm. i've looked very carefully inside my head and there is no actor's name written so it may not have been a head that was designed for a speaking part perhaps right um but um it is still nonetheless incredibly cool so with the provenance and stuff how how likely or how much of a risk is there of knockoffs of uh, robots of death mask um, there are, again, if you trawl through the internet, as I do quite closely, there are a lot of people who have made these over time. Um, mm-hmm. I think what's fascinating for me, though, because, I mean, as some of you will know, I actually kind of work in the art business, is actually it's a very, very, very hard thing to sculpt from the screen images. Um, I've not seen a reproduction head that is convincing um uh again it's it's a very very hard sculpt to do i think if you were going to reproduce these you would have to have access to original head and take a cast from it Mm -hmm. um i've not really seen those so i think there were some around um in the mid to late 90s that you could get um Mm -hmm. again i am pretty much 100 percent certain obviously there's the provenance piece but then there's also the kind of the interior um that this is this is old, you know. If this was a reproduction, it would have been made sometime nineties, most likely in the night. Well, it, earlier than the nineties, in the eighties, when I think you know people weren't making reproductions anyway. So mm-hmm. I've, I've, again, I've got no concerns that this right. isn't that this isn't genuine. Yeah, it's um, cool. Yeah, it's super cool. So, are you going to try to find now uh, either a reproduction or an original uh, costume body? part for it <laughs> well there's a couple of things one of which um and i haven't actually had time to do this because i've been crazy busy at work is right. um i'm gonna basically go through frame by frame not frame by frame but metaphorically <laughs> frame by frame of robots of death and see whether i can spot my head at all it has a number there's a small flaw on the uh just to the just to the left of the left nostril uh-huh. um a small hole which i think think must have been there originally so i might try and look for that Mm -hmm. um there are a couple of stress fractures on the side of the head but i i I doubt that those are 
I think it's what what those are from is I think the head's been resting on its chin mm-hmm. for a number of years um, in storage, and that and that that has created these kind of stress fractures on the cheek. So I don't right. think I'll be able to see those if I look on on the show. But there mm-hmm. is a there are some distinctive markings around the. Uh, around the eyelids, which I should be able to, especially the right eyelid, which may allow me to actually spot my own head on the show. So that's one thing I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I'm gonna do is, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm gonna start cosplaying as a, as a robot <laughs> of death. Um, well, possibly. if you do, you probably would wanna make a casting or yeah, not yeah, have an original. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be using my original one, which means then I'd have to find someone around here in Seattle who could take a very, very careful cast of this, which, you know, <laughs> I think is, is certainly possible. Certainly or, possible. Or a laser, laser scan. Or a laser scan, that's true. But, you know, as, if anybody wants me to come and pretend to be a robot of death, you know, at a children's party, um, <laughs> like a bar mitzvah or something. Um, I'm Cor- ready. I'm ready. You have corpse markers ready to hand out at have, uh, children's I have, parties. I have bicycle reflectors <laughs> ready to hand out at children's parties. Um, so the, I, I mean, let, I'll just give a shout out to Matt Doe and to Toy Box Treasures. Um, Matt was very, 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 very easy to deal with. They've got some great things on that site. You can get a McCoy hat. They have a couple of original Dalek blasters, um, which would be super cool to have, but I've spent all my money now, so I'm not going to get myself a Dalek (laughs) blaster. And uh, various other things. Um, They've got an original spider from Doctor Who and the Planet of the Spiders. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be super cool to have. I think for a while, or maybe this was was on on the the prop store site, um, they had the... um, Well, actually... T- T- Toy Box Treasures were the people who restored the uh, that um, ice warrior, ice warrior, yeah. ice warrior helmet, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, so I think they still have some bits of ice warrior skin that you can get as well. Um, <laughs> I think for a while they had the original. Again, I might be getting mixed up with the prop store, but anyway, that there was the original uh, fly from uh, the Green Death. Mm. Um, which would have been awesome to own, as well as the, this is not Toy Box Treasures, but Prop Store had the um, uh, the original Alpha Centauri yeah. head, which yeah. would have been again fantastic mm-hmm. to own. But anyway, I'm shouting out to, to to Matt Doe. Very, 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 very easy to deal with. They mm-hmm. have some lovely things. Um, he has a very close hookup with um, Andrew Skilleter, so there's a lot of original and- Andrew Skilleter art to be bought um, mm-hmm. on that site as well. And um, again, there's a lot of crooks in this business, and um, he's definitely not a crook, um, and he sold me something that I've always wanted, so that's very nice. Yay! Yay! Hooray! Childhood, childhood <laughs> goals achieved or something. <laughs> um, yeah, so now I just need to find out a cool way to display it. I'm actually talking to someone at work who might be able to help me uh, make a, a proper kind of display plinth for it. And you have uh, character options, I'm assuming, Vok action figures. I do, yeah. That, so I do. It's, this, is, this is like the uh, boss level of... This is the boss level, except, <laughs> yeah, no, I have, I've got SV7, I've got D84, I've got the regular one, and then I have the one that has the glow up. The glow Ooh. lighting up eyes as well. Yeah. Um, so in my in my in my collection. So 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 David, here's a question for you. Mm. I've been monopolizing this podcast. No, not so at far. all. Um, if you had to pick one, okay. If you had to pick three, what would be your top three Doctor Who props to collect? Props. If hmm. if you had all okay, hmm. okay. If you had an unlimited sum of money, what would be your top three Doctor Who things to collect? Maybe not props. 
costumes, props, models. Um, hmm. Well, not people. You couldn't have people. <laughs> you can't. You can't mend people. Um. You, 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 you couldn't have Lady Lady Antonia Ward or whatever she's hmm. called. Couldn't come around to your house and serve you tea in the morning. <laughs> so things. I, I'm not sure that I would have things although it'd be really cool to have a police box in the back garden i think that would be that would be cool quite quite lovely and i would keep garden implements in it of course but uh i think what i would do if unlimited money is i would recreate some of the classic dudley simpson soundtracks with original instruments uh like say for the pyramids of mars go to the uh english church that the organ was recorded in get an organist and re-record that and try to recreate the lost dudley simpson's uh soundtrack scores from this early 70s um that would probably be my number one thing to do wow Wow, that is amazing. And that was that presumably, you know, if you had if you were a kind of a Bill Gates, Paul Allen level billionaire, um <laughs> that would presumably be pretty doable, right? I would think so. I mean, I believe and my understanding is the scores still exist. It's just right. the recordings that do not. They from BBC paperwork, you would know what instruments, what musicians were hired. And what locations, like in the case of the cathedral or the church where the organ was, and I assume that the the organ is still standing, so you could rent that by the hour or the day and make a new recording and try to recreate as close to possible the 1970s soundtracks that have been lost, um, probably focusing in on the Hinchcliffe era. Wow! So you 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 would you would literally you would be the Harrison Chase. Of Doctor Who soundtracks, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> maybe although not quite, that, as, maybe although, not quite as evil, mm-hmm, but um, yeah. still, quite, it's, uh, definitely as focused. I yes, think. Uh, very focused on uh, recreating lost Dudley Simpson soundtracks, and that is, uh, I think, something that is missing. And it, with uh, proper licensure, I think would also, uh, if not break even, at least help defray some of the costs. <laughs> help to phrase some help <laughs> very small very small amount of cost well that uh, that would be that would be laudable so but you wouldn't apart from the tardis you wouldn't you wouldn't attempt to get yourself a dalek or a zygon costume or mm. no dalek I, blaster I, they they all take up a lot of space and then you have to mm. i mean you you have the duty of care now on this very rare uh, that rel- is true. relic from 19 probably made in 1976 for the 1977 production and it it it's a it's a part of our who history that you are now entrusted by uh to to take care of and the responsibility is 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 awesome <laughs> it is awesome you're you're entirely correct actually i mean i Again, I said that my, my, I will have to make sure that my children don't take it, don't take this down to goodwill um, <laughs> when I'm dead, which they won't, um, because I, I will leave its paperwork next door to it, and and um, yeah, and it's yeah, exactly. No, I mean one one does become one realizes when one gets something really special like this that actually you don't really own it. Mm-hmm. You're you're kind of looking after it, um, right. uh, For um for posterity, really. Mm-hmm. So um, things, uh, I'm I'm just not. I'm just not sure. So that's why I was thinking recreation of things that are truly lost. I mean, it might be possible. I know Dudley Simpson was given tracks or recordings 
for the composer copy of his uh, scores. But okay. in his numerous moves and back to Australia, he says those were lost. Um, there's always a chance that those will turn up somewhere, but I, I doubt it. But I think I think you could get close to a nice reproduction, and I do do love love that music from that time period. Yeah. No, it is. It's amazing. Uh, it's just so evocative. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, every time, I mean, again, you know, we were, we've just done a podcast on, on, on the new music. And I mm. think obviously, you know, these things have to move forward and right. we have to have new music. But yes. you just you just listen to those Dudley Simpson soundtracks and it's just there's such a unique sound mm-hmm. um, and such unique arrangement. It just that just catapults you straight into you know back 40 years right into, into those shows it's amazing yeah and i like on a similar note it would be probably animating some of the lost uh stories or lost visuals of stories but at the highest possible quality perhaps like a pixar level quality of animation i was gonna say i mean if again if you were you know if you were a, a if only if only the people who run pixar were like <laughs> doctor who fans you know um right I, I actually I understand that I think Peter Jackson is a Doctor Who fan. Um, the, yes, the Lord, Lord of the Rings. Yes, um, so maybe Weta to, will do yeah. something. <laughs> he needs to get his finger out and start um, start animating these things. Yeah, yeah I, I just uh, there was always teased that under the Moffat tenure that Jackson would be directing direct a store, one. but yeah. I he you know he's such a movie director that I don't think the television limited budget limited schedule. Would uh, is probably why he said no. Plus, he's based out of New Zealand, and they yeah. weren't going to move production for a block to New Zealand. Although that would provide some very interesting locations that we haven't seen yet. And it's in, in the 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 you know this will insult our New Zealand listener. I don't. I maybe not, but <laughs> but the, always is that New Zealand is a step back in time. So we're where England is today or where the UK is today, if you go back and want to see what, what it was 30, 40 years ago, you go to New Zealand. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, that, that's what I've heard about New Zealand. Yeah, so, um, Of course, I mean, we have, we have, we have um, Sylvester McCoy is Radagast the Brown. Is it Radagast the Brown? Anyway, yes, yes. In, in the Hobbit movie, mm-hmm. so that's nice. And of course, yeah, and I've forgotten, Jackson was in um, uh, the, what is it, The Hunt for the Doctors or whatever that, Peter Davison. Oh, the five doctors, uh, five ish doctors. The five ish doctors, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And then I think he did a little uh, little skit or something where he had, he has a lot of Doctor Who uh, replicas or props in his uh, home office there, too. I can guarantee you what he doesn't have. He doesn't have a Vok <laughs> head because I've got that. <laughs> Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. uh, other things, other things collecting. Are are you in? You're broke now, obviously, but <laughs> <laughs> well broke. Um, uh, any- I, good, good question. Um, still, obviously, always have my eyes open for Doctor Who art. Um, something again caught my eye, and this was actually again through kind of noodling around on Facebook. Mike Tucker, um, the special effects supremo of mm-hmm. the '80s. 90s 2000s and onwards he is selling some original some of his original sketch designs Mm. um for the kind of cutaway special effects scenes that were done the very very early during the dvd range um Mm -hmm. i don't know if you remember those there's the kind of you know there's the tardis in various kind of alien landscapes Mm -hmm. um so he's selling those at the moment those would be cool to have i cannot afford it so i'm not going to try and buy those Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i I, am i going to buy more props i don't know right the interesting things about props of course is 
is that because by and large, well, A, all of these things are at least, you know, 20, 30, 40 years old, <laughs> 40, 40 years old. Mm -hmm. All of them were made at a time when there was no idea that, uh, you know, Doctor Who would ever be kind of, you know, repeated. Um, no, no, no VHS. No, uh, no DVD, no Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so all props were essentially they were made not to last, right. um, and they were not looked after. Uh, you know, I think one of the reasons, obviously, these Vok heads or my Vok head has survived because you know it's made of fiberglass, which is a pretty robust material. But you just have to look at the desperate state that that um, Ice Warrior head was in that mm -hmm. Toy Box Treasures um, restored. You know, because it's made of latex. Latex is you know it's a it's an organic material. It just decays. Um, these things were not made to last. They were not taken care of. Um, you know, the BBC, uh, you know, kind of threw right. them in a pit and gave them to Longley, tried them up to Blackpool. You know, they were traded, they were sh shipped around. You know, people would wear them at Pebble Mill, you know, for kind of, you know, when doctors got launched. These things were not looked after. Um, uh, but I, I think, getting off my point now, but I think, the, you know, the, the, they were met. What you see, when you, when you actually get a real prop, you'll see how homemade they are i mean one of the things that was interesting looking at these images of the dalek blaster on toy box treasures it you know it looks like a broom handle with some bits of you know wire mm -hmm. attached to it that's what it looks like because that's what it is basically and if you if you i think i'm sure if you got yourself if you got yourself a dalek plunger it would look like you know a toilet plunger <laughs> because that's what right. it is basically right. Um, because these things were only supposed to be on the television for, you know, five, ten right. minutes, and then you were never so supposed to see them again. And they were made on the cheap, too. You didn't want to bust a bunch. They were made on the cheap. They were made by the BBC. They were made as cheaply as possible. <laughs> what is awesome about my Vok head is that it was made at a time when, you know, Philip Hinchcliffe was busily kind of bankrupting the show by spending <laughs> enough money on it. Uh, uh, so, again, you know, this is, I think, a, this is a pretty high-quality object. Um, but also, um, uh, you know, it was... It was designed by an actual artist it's made of fiberglass it's probably i think one of the few props that sort of stands the test of time as actually looking like what it was originally meant to mm -hmm. look like you know it looks like a vok head because that's what a vok head looks like as soon as you get up close to a dalek blaster you realize you know it's a broom handle with bits of wires attached to it and that's kind of interesting and it was designed or um, sculpted to be a piece of art too. So it's it, exactly, it, exactly. It was created to be an object. It was created to be beautiful to look at. It wasn't created to be a, a functional, uh, short-term type piece of thing. The, the whole idea that the, the society there, uh, um, Keldor City of the Sand Miners, was that these people were out for months years out mining and they would want the aesthetic they wanted something pleasant to live a beautiful. beautiful surroundings to be in stark contrast to the sand the desert that they were which was their reality that they were surrounded by yes no exactly and 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 it, it is a it is an extremely beautiful object and it's 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 you know, once I have it mounted properly, you know, it will it will look great in my pathetic apartment. <laughs> um, you know, it'll be it'll be you know the most beautiful object apart from myself, of course, <laughs> um, in um, in the apartment because that's what exactly what it was what it was designed to do, and it's just got such a great kind of Bieber nineteen seventies abominable Doctor Fives, all that early to mid seventies kind of deco reimagining 
which is just so awesome about mm-hmm. the way that people used to dress and behave and design things in the kind of mid 70s which of course my when I was a kid so that's when I found things most most impressive when you were in impressionable <laughs> I was a very a very impressionable age and the robots of death made a huge impression mm-hmm. on me you know, as I said, my my inner 10, 11-year-old is like, well, hey, I don't believe I have this. Now I can actually, if I, if I go to the playground tomorrow and we're playing Robots of Death, which we used to do, like ad infinitum, I can actually be a Robots of Death and that will really freak people out. Like you said, you have the bicycle reflectors handy. I have the bicycle reflectors handy, the corpse markers, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that'll show them. Uh, fabulous. Yeah, so I, I, I said I'm going to have to save up again quite considerably before I buy myself another prop. I think this may be the only Doctor Who prop I get because I think actually, as I think as I've been trying to say throughout the podcast, this is probably one of the very best ones that you can actually buy because it is, as I said, it was designed, as you said, it was designed to be a beautiful object and it was designed to... We designed yeah. to last. So, it's not like those yeah. Ice Warrior heads, which were latex rubber and just disintegrate over time. Disintegrated, yeah, yeah immediately. Di- yeah, they're just not, exactly. not meant for longevity. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. like, yeah. I mean, there are still Daleks from the 60s still available, but unless you wanted that historical item for your, you know, for dollars, for your pounds, it might be better to go for a new, a, a modern replica that has. Uh, the convenience or something—I I don't know. I mean, that it's—it's a—it's a trade-off that you would take. I think I think it's interesting, you know. I mean, it's, you know, if you were collecting, do you want something that feels historical? If you, if you if you collect Greek and Roman sculpture, do you want like an actual Greek and Roman sculpture, or do you want you know a beautiful reproduction of Greek mm-hmm. and Roman sculpture? Um, that's a you know an excellent question. I mean, why do you you know why do you you, you you know, we we want what's authentic right. um, as well as what's beautiful, and I think a collector of, of Greek and Roman sculpture is not going to want a reproduction. They, you know, they they're going to want the real thing, mm-hmm. no matter how distressed it might be, it might mm-hmm. have been over time, basically. But if you're operator or you want to go to conventions or something like that, you're going to want a a, a modern, <laughs> a contemporary, exactly. a, a, a reproduction or a. Or it wouldn't even be a reproduction. It'd just be a, a brand new Dalek shell that you would be exactly. tool which around what, in. Exactly, which is why if I ever do decide to assemble, you know, a full bot costume, which, you know, would be a challenge, but I think it's doable, I would get, yes, you know, either a cast or kind of a scanned laser copy of this head because I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to wear the original right. because it is, it is, it's distressed, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually looking at some of this, I'm actually fiddling with, part of the interior leather lining at the moment which is again is very very kind of distressed and old mm-hmm. and um you know is is the is the original lining that they glued onto these rough edges of the fiberglass so mm-hmm. that the actors would be able to tolerate this for more than about 30 seconds so it, it is an interesting uh idea in the art world that between originals and replicas or um, I'm imagining prints or uh, uh, the the original the original ma- master. I, I I don't know what because I've seen in galleries, I've seen in museums where you would you would have the prints of uh, yeah. of an artist and stuff, but that 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 is how he or she had intended that uh, limited uh, artwork to be dis- displayed or sold that they were they're making a print but then you went 
if you, you wouldn't like in like City of Death with the Mona Lisa, you wouldn't want to have a half dozen or eight copies this of, is the, a fake, yeah. of, of, of the Mona Lisa there. But, yeah, yeah. but as a Doctor Who fan, you would want one of some of those really rough uh, Mona Lisa images that were from City of Death. So, <laughs> so the, that reproduction of the masterpiece <laughs> has value. Has value. I, I think that that is an excellent that is an, a, an excellent example. I mean, if they, you know, and I'm, I don't know where those are now, but you know, I mean, if, if someone was to discover, you know, a four or five of those reproduction Mona Lisa's is kind of this is this is a fake written on them those would be worth a lot of money um uh, uh, worth a lot more money than you know a, just a picture of a, a picture of Mona Lisa um right you know I mean I think we're back to you know we're kind of Walter Benjamin um territory here and you know the age the art object and the age of mechanical reproduction you know what is what is real right what is a fake what do we want and I think actually you know what we I, again, one thinks about this a little bit. Um, what we, what you want, should be what what you should have should be what you want, basically. <laughs> um, and when I'm talking to people about collecting art and you know what they should buy and art is an investment and you know should I if I buy this will it be worth more money? Um, all I ever say to people is just buy what you like, buy what you want. Mm-hmm. If you're buying things to make money, then you're buy stocks <laughs> exactly i mean but you know you'll be you'll be lucky if that happens but you know if you buy something you don't like then you're stuck with something you don't like and if it's not worth any money then you've kind of lost both ways if you buy something you do like mm-hmm. um and it ends up being worth no money then you've still come out ahead because you've then lived with something that you like mm-hmm. um so i'm a great favorite i'm a great fan of you know when, when you're kind of advising people you know about collecting you know, buy what you love. Um, if you're really lucky, what you love is what everyone else loves as well. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it will be worth money. But, you know, just have something that you want. And, you know, if you're able to indulge your, your, your passions by, the, by, the, uh, by acquiring material goods, you know, buy something that's beautiful and lovely and something that appeals to you and kind of, you know, enhances your life and makes you feel more in touch with who you really are. Um, you know, don't go out buy a snowmobile, you know, or like, I don't know, a Dodge Ram or something. <laughs> buy something that's real and authentic and, mm-hmm. and is meaningful to you. And unfortunately, you know, if what is meaningful to you is a Dodge Ram, then analyze your life <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and actually come up with something else in your life that's meaningful rather than a snowmobile. So you're trying to please your aesthetic uh, sense rather than your monetary sense. Yes, exactly, exactly. Because, uh, as I said, you know, if uh, the only way you can ever make money out of buying art is by buying like a huge amount of it, mm-hmm. um, and then one percent of it will increase in value. I mean, when if you look at someone like Charles Saatchi, you know, who's made a lot of money by investing in art, um, what people don't realize about someone like Charles Saatchi is that he has warehouses full of literal junk <laughs> um, that he has spent money on that is not worth money. Right? Um, you know, he's you know he spends a million dollars. On buying art, um, he will then uh, of that million dollars, probably about a hundred dollars will actually end up being worth more money than what he paid for it. Um, it's a you know it's a mugs game. So he's speculating. It's it's speculating. it's it's a, it's a it's a form of speculation. And unless you have the money to really speculate, you know, as anyone knows about speculation, you've got to have a lot of money. You got to you know. So it's it's just. Just buy what you love. Buy what you love. If something appeals to you and if something says something to you and it's something that is about 
your history um, or your personality, you know, something that obviously this head tells me that it's important <laughs> that I need to have, um, mm -hmm. then then you should you should have that for yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and if it's something that's I said like this head that I'm essentially I'm looking after for the future, um, you know, what a privilege that is, you know. And I, it is something that Peter Jackson doesn't have. I mean, you know, maybe he wants it. Uh, maybe I'm not going to sell it to him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyway, yeah, there you go. <laughs> mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, it is. It, it's especially rare being in North America have a a, a Doctor Who screen worn prop. So that's and, true. And, yes, and the thing I think the thing with collecting in general is often individual items of themselves may not have value, but it's the it's the collection itself when you bring all the pieces together yeah. that they start to have value or interest or uh, kind of a, a network effect where the more connectivity or more pieces in that collection you have, then that right. becomes the value rather than not. Now, of course, that, that goes without, you know, that a, a, a genuine piece of art such as the mass, that 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 has intrinsic value on its own, but we're, I'm talking like a, a complete collection of target novels, for example. Right. So it, right. Uh, right. having a shoebox full of uh, target novels here and there is a little different than having a complete set of target novels and then a complete set of target novel hardbacks or in mint, mint condition. You know, there's, there's different levels of collecting and acquisition. Yeah, and I think, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of kind of modern collecting is based around, um, a lot of kind of artificial collecting is kind of based around you never really being able to get the full set of anything, you know, mm. um, uh, which I think is always a shame. And, you know, with Target novels, obviously, it was, I mean, I have a, you know, I have a full set of the Target paperbacks. But, you know, yes, from that, you can graduate to kind of blue mm -hmm. spines, or then you can graduate to like the hardbacks. Um, but it's nice to be able to get, be able to achieve the set of something. Um, and certainly with my head, you know, it's nice to be able to get something that is completely unique and really a, a part of the cultural history of the United Kingdom. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a very, very kind of important object, which, which will, will, will always be special. I mean, you know, I, I hope it will never be worth less than what I paid for it. I suspect mm -hmm. it will probably be worth more than what I paid for it. So that's nice. Um, but that's not why I bought it. I, right. I bought it because it's it's something that's very special to me and means a lot. You know, it's about my favorite TV show and it's about art. And those are, you know, a couple of things that I'm kind of passionate and interested in. And um, yeah, yeah, so well, there you go. Lovely. Yeah, very nice. I'm, I'm a very lucky man. Yes, you are. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, next uh, time, next time, next time we get together in either in Portland. If I come down to Portland again, I'll bring it with yeah. me, and then you can wear, it, and then you can wear it as well. There you go. You'll have to bring a guard. <laughs> I will have to bring a guard. Yes, exactly. Secure a secure a call to come down with me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. There you go. That's been fun that's listening to your new acquisition, your new piece, Objet d'Art. Objet d'Art, exactly. <laughs> um, slightly different podcast this week, but hopefully people, yeah. found it, people found it interesting. A little personal, I think. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, I, I, and mm -hmm. if someone wants to make me an offer, um, <laughs> please feel free to do so. I very much doubt I'll take you up on it, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, always the curator, always the curator. Yeah, there you go. Exactly, exactly. Always, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, you'll, have the, you'll have the how-to Doctor Who prop book, How I Turned a Robots of Death Mask into a full TARDIS console room set. Exactly, exactly. How I just crawled, clawed my way up through the props until I had Lala Ward serving me breakfast in bed. Uh, so... A little bit of swag news. I think I shared with you uh, Matt Berry's uh, album that's coming out later this fall. Excited about that. Television themes where Mr. Charisma himself is is, uh, doing some very mellow jazz renditions of our favorite Doctor Who well, uh, our favorite theme, Doctor Who, but also from The Good Life, which I mentioned earlier, and uh, Are You Being Served, and World and Action, The Library Birds. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear him do those tunes. Yeah, have you you listened to the Are You Being Served? um, Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. It's great. Yes. And it has a very retro, late 70s, mid 70s cover on the album art, so... It's on, it's on the Acid Jazz label, and it's uh, coming out in October. So put that on your put that on your <laughs> Christmas birthday list, everybody. Yes, that should be uh, should be some fun listening, and hopefully we'll be able to sample one or two tracks in the upcoming Metabulous Two Pod era. Yeah, we'll definitely have to try and review that. I think. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So, other than that, I think that's that's it for the week. I think that's I think that's it from me. I'm now going to put my Vok head on and walk around the house pretending to be a robot. Bum 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 <laughs> bum. <laughs> yeah. Alright, well thank you for listening to episode what are we on? What 85. 85. Episode 85 of the Metabilis 2 podcast. I have been talking with the proud owner of a Vok mask, Ben. <laughs> and I have been endeavoring not to throw hands at David. <laughs> Uh, please do not throw hands and at me. me. <laughs> uh, uh, so until until next time when we meet on the airwaves of the pod, uh, um, have a very good night. Good night. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Metabilis 2 podcast. You can reach us with email at metabilis2, as a number two, at gmail.com, or on Twitter at metabilis2, and again, that's a number two. Hope to hear from you. Bye.